Hey, everybody, and welcome to Hello Rello. Now, the theme of our podcast is really quite simple. We focus on building real estate expertise. If you want to create and maintain a thriving real estate business, then this is the place for you. The host of our podcast is John Howie. He's the director of real estate and mortgage for Rello. Joining John on today's episode is Ann Lane, who's a partner with McHard Firm in Arizona. Today, our topic is real estate anti-money laundering. All right. So welcome to the Hello Rello podcast, Ms. Ann Lane. Sure happy to have you here. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Absolutely. My name is Ann Lane. I live in Phoenix, Arizona, and I am a partner at the McHard Firm which is a firm that specializes in forensic accounting. And we have locations in Albuquerque, New Mexico, Phoenix, Arizona, and um, San Diego, California. We're licensed to practice in the U.S. and we do work in Canada as well. And fun fact, I am actually a native Canadian. I was born in Calgary and lived there until about grade two before my family defected to the United States. Or <laughs> well, we and, lost uh, you. It was terrible to lose you. <laughs> Yeah, um, I I do miss uh, Calgary in the summertime. Um, I do not miss, you know, I remember walking to school with snow taller than me. I do not miss that at all. I certainly prefer the winters down here in Arizona than up there in Calgary. Hmm. Um, I am a certified public accountant, which would be the equivalent of a chartered accountant in Canada. I'm also a uh, certified fraud examiner, um, certified in financial forensics, and a certified anti-money laundering specialist. And I spend my days investigating fraud and money laundering and all sorts of fun stuff. You know, and that's fantastic. This Hello Rello podcast is basically we're trying to give new realtors, new real estate professionals, uh, information of value and money laundering is a big deal in Canada. It's one of those things that's a huge problem we're trying to deal with. But first of all, we need to make a note of the fact that today is the day after the Flames lost in the playoffs, and I'm sad. I am sad, too. I was, uh, you know, me and my dad and my brother have been uh, going to the bars to watch the <laughs> to watch the game. And we're like the only three people actually cheering for the hockey game. Watching <laughs> the basketball playoffs. And we're like, no, no, no. Hockey. So we have like one TV at the bar dedicated to our little hockey game and the flame score. And we go crazy. And everybody looks at us like, who are those crazy drunk Canadians <laughs> watching hockey? But yeah, it's, uh, it's been very exciting because, you know, it's been a long time since the flames made it that far in the playoffs. I remember the last time they won the cup because I was like, four and I was allowed to stay up late to watch <laughs> very exciting I know <laughs> uh, that's great but I, we have to soldier on I guess we have to keep going we have to keep going we are actually making it into the playoffs I mean we had so many years where that didn't even happen so yeah. it's, a, it's a step in the right direction yeah I'm a, I'm a sad Flames fan but a happy Star Wars fan because I was able to watch the new Obi-Wan Kenobi series last night oh the, well that's fantastic that's on my list it's worth it. It's worth it. You'll like it, John. You'll okay. like it. All right. So, you know, the uh, anti-money laundering is, is a big deal, of course, for anybody in the real estate profession. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Like, um, we're coming from, we have people who are brand new to the industry and may have no idea how it actually works and how big of a deal it is and what the impact is on society and everything else. So money laundering is a huge deal, um, especially in real estate. And the amount of money that's being laundered through real estate has been exacerbated with how hot real estate markets are these days. I know Canada is even more so than the U.S. You know, in, in Arizona, we saw property values go up 20% over the past year. And I think in the past four or five years in Canada, it's been more like 38, 40% of property value increases. And anytime you have something like that going on, you're going to attract people who wish to take advantage of that. 
there's a lot of time when people are laundering money where they're anticipating taking a loss on the money that they're laundering. So if they can launder it into something that's going to make them profit, they're a little more excited about that notion. Um, so you see an increase in it. But basically what money laundering is, is when somebody does something bad, say they steal money through fraud or they rob a bank or they sell some drugs or they sell some people because, you know, it happens with human trafficking as well. They get funds from that. And it's difficult to spend those funds when it's been illegally obtained. So the whole purpose of money laundering is to take the money that these folks earn from their illegal enterprises and incorporate it into the uh, global banking system so it starts to look like legitimate income and then they can go have a good time with all the you know, hard-earned money that they have. Uh-huh. <laughs> hard-earned money. <laughs> <laughs> um, so there's um, a few different stages of money laundering. So there's what's called placement, which is when it first enters into the financial system. And usually what this involves is some kind of deposit of currency into a bank account. A lot of times money launderers will use foreign banks because they're really focusing on areas where they don't have the same regulations as some countries so that it's easier to get their money into the system. Um, That's one of the first things that they do. The next um, part is called layering, and that's when they start doing all of these different transactions to try to conceal the true source of the funds. And then there's integration, which is once everything is fully integrated into the system, and then they just spend it and use the money like anybody who collects a paycheck, (laughs) except it's, you know, drug money or something along those lines. So real estate transactions are actually really, whoops, lost my AirPods, hold on. (laughs) Popped right out there. Um, So real estate transactions are actually a really good way to do that because you can put a lot of money into something that holds and maintains value. And later on, once you obtain that item, you can sell it, you can flip it, you can do all sorts of things with it. And then the money, the proceeds from whatever you do with that real estate looks legitimate. So real estate is is very popular for money laundering. And when you have countries that don't have super stringent real estate um, regulations, um, they're a little more susceptible to money laundering. And my understanding from the research I've been doing this week is that's kind of where Canada is at, is it's there's some recommend recommendations from global authorities that this is the steps that you should have in place for real estate transactions that aren't necessarily present in Canada. And because Canada is, a, you know, it's a lovely country, they have lots of property, the property values are going up, it just kind of makes it a hotbed for um, money laundering for real estate transactions. Mm-hmm. And yes, there's no shortage of land in Canada, but I'm always just fascinated by the fact that with Canada being the way it is, it seems like it has lots and lots of regulations in so many different areas and so many different industries, but a money laundering there is eh, not quite as strict as they should be. Yeah, and the the people who are laundering the money knows which, know which countries are not as strict as they should be, and those are the countries that they, that they focus on. I was reading an article about a... Um, transaction it was a real estate transaction in vancouver and it was dealing with a uh, chinese fellow who'd uh, earned a bunch of money through corrupt practices in his native country and decided to come launder his money in canada and he bought two houses worth 14 15 million dollars each in vancouver one was in the name of his daughter who was a 25 year old student with no documented income so i mean how how do you get to the point where that person is owning a, a 15 million dollar house so that just means that people really aren't looking into what's going on in these transactions and who's really buying it. It can be a little different when there's um, loans involved. 
because the one money laundering scheme is they go ahead and they get a loan to buy the house and then they just pay the loan off and then that's <laughs> Then they have the full value of the asset and it makes the transaction look a little more legitimate. But banks are going to have more of those regulations where you have to require certain information from your customers, especially if they're international banks and with offices in several different countries. And the the terminology in the money la- anti-money laundering field, I should be very specific about that, um, is KYC or know your customer. So banks have a little more structure there about making sure they know who the beneficial owner of companies are and verifying income. So if there's a loan, there's automatically more structure, but if it's a cash transaction, if somebody's just showing up at the cashier's check to purchase property, there's not going to be that structure behind it unless it's put in through the real estate agents and the attorneys who are handling the transaction. Mm -hmm. And you know, it is fascinating because in Canada, we do have, Fin track compliance when a transaction takes place, the the real estate professional is supposed to take a picture of a piece of ID or something like that, like that, and make sure that everybody everything is recorded along the way. But somehow people still find a way to work around the the edges of the system. How the heck do they do that? <laughs> you know, the the in my profession, it's always very clear that the fraudsters are always one step ahead all of the regulations. And usually, uh, you know, regulations tend to lag because regulations are usually created as a result of rampant fraud, right? <laughs> They're like, oh, look, all these people are abusing the system. Now we need to add the regulations. So you've had, and, you know, a lot of these, a lot of the folks who are laundering money, they know what the regulations are going to be because it's the same regulations that are in other countries. Uh-huh. So they're like, well, we, we know what it looks like in the U.S. and we know what it looks like in the U.K. and we know what it looks like in Europe. So let's see what Canada does. And we already do these things in the U.S. to work around it. We already do these things in Europe to work around it. They're very creative individuals. Um, you know, they're very highly motivated uh-huh. to to make this happen and they're highly motivated by you know greed which is one of the strongest motivations on the planet historically and currently. <laughs> True. so when you when you have that strong of a of a motivation you know you have tens of millions of dollars sitting somewhere that you really want to spend you 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 get really creative uh-huh. so as somebody in your field as a certified anti-money laundering professional that type of thing how the heck do you catch these guys what how do you find them so it can be, um, it's tricky. Um, one thing that we look for are lots of transactions using currency and any kind of transactions using currency that are what we call structured. So most countries have some kind of reporting limit. And I believe in Canada, it's the same reporting limit that is in the U.S. Any currency transactions over $10,000 yes. um, have to be reported. And so what folks will do is they'll keep the transactions under $10,000. So like deposits going to bank accounts, we'll see lots of deposits on different days of under $10,000, usually just under $10,000. So $9,000, $8,000, $7,000 going into these bank accounts. And that gives us an idea that there may be some, some shenanigans going on. And usually there's no other sources of deposits. So it's not like they have a paycheck coming in and then, you know, $9,000 worth of currency getting deposited every day. Some people do, um, they'll go get a job. Um, but a lot of the times you'll see that the job they hold is not congruent with the amount of currency that's being deposited into the big account. So if they're earning $50,000 a year and depositing $9,000 a day in, in currency into their bank account, where is that $9,000 coming from? It's clearly not from their job, right? Maybe it's a tip. <laughs> That's one heck of a tip. And if they're getting tips like that, I need to know where they're working. Absolutely. Because I am in the wrong business. 
So those are the things that we look like look at as far as um, what's going into the banking system. Now, as a real estate agent, you're not going to be able to see these folks' bank accounts. You know, if they're getting a mortgage, the bank is going to ask for proof of income and to look at their bank accounts and to see what that activity is. But as a real estate agent, you're not going to be looking at that information. So you really have to, to think, you know, just talk to your client, right? So get to know who they are. You know, going back to that example of the 25-year-old college student, well, the, the dad who bought the other piece of property that was worth $15 million had a job that where he earned $45,000 a year. So if you're talking to somebody and they're like, oh, yeah, I'm a, you know, I'm a, a supervisor at Walmart and I'm buying a $15 million house, <laughs> that should raise some questions. Well, how are you buying this $15 million house? Like, is this family money? Like, where, where did this come from? And then pay attention to the sources of the funds. So is it coming from a bank that's overseas? That's always a red flag, especially if it's coming from a bank overseas from a somewhat unregulated country. Uh-huh. So, you know, anything in the Caribbean is usually like <laughs> warning signs, Brazil, warning signs, Russia, warning signs, uh-huh. China, warning signs, like those should all set up bells, but maybe something isn't quite right. And then look to see, is it a cashier's check? Is it a check coming from a company? And if it's a check coming from a company, well, who owns that company? Uh-huh. You know, if this person is out here working in Canada and they have a job in Canada, why are they getting, uh, you know, millions of dollars from a foreign company? And that's when you might just start asking questions like, oh, hey, well, this is, you know, just chat up your client. And yeah, you might make your client angry and you might lose your client, but which is better, losing your client or making your party to money laundering? <laughs> And that's, you know, that's where we get back to to greed and another reason why this becomes so much more rampant during times of a higher market. You have a lot of folks that are trying to earn money. You have real estate agents that are earning their commissions. You have attorneys that are earning their fees off of these transactions. And when there's so many transactions and there's such a large dollar amount, like that's very appealing. So you don't want to necessarily, as a real estate agent, scare away a commission on a $15 million property sale because you're questioning the the funds, right? Yes. Uh, right. And the folks who are laundering the money know that. And that's the tool they're going to use is they're going to threaten to walk away. And you know, um, it, is one of those, it is one of those things where we're trying to build these ethical realtors, these 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 professional practitioners and that type of thing. But if you put a big number in front of somebody, it certainly is tempting. I've, I've felt that temptation myself. Well, everybody has their number. Everybody has their price. Who was it? Allegedly, Abraham Lincoln said that. I don't know if that's really true or not, but but everybody, you know, there's that famous story of how one day he just kicked somebody out of his store or his office or something like that, and everybody asked him what was wrong, and he said, well, he was trying to bribe me, and, you know, everybody has their price, and he was getting awful close to mine. <laughs> well, every, you know, it's true. Everybody has their price where they will, will they reduce something, and I imagine, you know, I don't know what what real estate commissions are in each province up in Canada. I know in um, Arizona, it's a 6% commission and, you know, 6% commission split between two realtors on a $15 million transaction. That's, that's, that is a pretty penny, right? That's a lot of people's number right there. (laughs) That's a lot of people's number right there. And if all you have to do to earn that number is just, turn a blind eye as to the source of fun. (laughs) That's not exactly a a really hard, hard thing to do, especially if you're not really knowledgeable about money laundering and what, what effect it can have on a community and what these, what some of these people are actually doing. Cause it it can be really 
horrendous. You know, I mentioned drug trafficking. We all know how horrible the drug problems are across the world, um, how tragic that can be when people overdose and how horrible addiction is in general and the effect that it can have on communities when you have a lot of drugs in the community. Well, human trafficking is the same thing. It, it destroys people and not like to the point where when they get out of that situation, they can get better. It destroys them for life. They're, they're traumatized for life. And it usually starts when these folks are very, very young. Um, it's really a very terrible thing. And then once people are money laundering, it can also have a negative effect on the community because it does things like when you get enough of it coming in, I was reading a, a report apparently there was a report published by the by the mounties um a few years ago that said there was over 46 billion dollars worth of identified um money laundering and real estate in canada well when you have that much money going into the market that is artificial wealth because that's not really you know people aren't out in the economy earning that money they're doing it by selling drugs or selling people or doing all these nasty things. So it's not true economic wealth. When you have that pouring back into the economy, it does things like shoot the prices up. It increases inflation. It, it makes it difficult for the people who are out there working their booties off to earn a living to actually buy and own a home because these people with their illegitimate funds are coming in and snapping up all of the real estate and artificially inflating the prices. That's just not fair. It's not fair. See, <laughs> <laughs> we should all become drug dealers. <laughs> well, no, I, I don't think my mom would be happy if I put that on my LinkedIn profile. So, No, I don't think so either. Well, and that's the thing is, you know, it seems it, it can be sad because it seems like sometimes all the people that are doing the bad things have the upper hand mm -hmm. uh, when it comes to these sorts of things. And, you know, you always feel like law enforcement and regulators are, are one step behind, but you know, I'm a firm believer in karma. These people are good. <laughs> They'll get there eventually. <laughs> yeah. I, I believe that too. And I've seen it come true time and time again, but you know, that number 46 billion is a really big number. And that was like in one year and that was only the ones that they identified. Right. That doesn't include the people that, that didn't get caught. And so, you know, when you're looking at that really big check as a real estate agent, you're looking at that $15 million property you just sold and you're, you're 3% of 15 million, which, you know, a whole lot of money. Um, you know, you need to look at it like, well, am I getting this money because this person just sold a bunch of children in to prostitution in some third world country. And so that's the proceeds of the money that I'm earning on. And it's kind of a depressing thought, but if you think of it that way, it kind of brings you a little more back into reality and that what you're doing and how important it really is to prevent these people from, from coming in and, and doing these things both to other people and to your market. So, you know, by accepting this check, am I contributing to the fact that normal everyday Canadians can't buy houses because they're priced out of the market? What, what is, really the underlying cause and where is this money coming from? And that can maybe help folks, you know, get in touch with their, their inner ethical side, their inner moral side, their inner good person. I mean, we're all Canadians, right? We're good people. <laughs> of course we are. We're, we're super nice. We apologize for everything. Sorry about that. I'm sorry about being so nice. <laughs> oh, sorry. Right. My favorite are the buses that say sorry on them. I think that's great. And I didn't think that was real until I was in um, Kelowna a few years ago and I was driving around and saw one of the buses that said out of service, sorry. And I was like, 
It's the best thing ever. <laughs> Welcome back to Canada. We've missed Welcome you. Welcome <laughs> back. <laughs> yeah. 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 You know, the, the anti-money laundering thing and everything like this, It is. I think it is important to note that it really is not a victimless crime. It's not a white-collar crime. It has huge impacts, and it actually feeds the rest of this, this criminal enterprise, too. So it's very important to just realize that when you're a realtor or in a transaction or something, and something just doesn't smell right or doesn't feel right, eh, you might want to just step back and have a couple of seconds and say, wait a minute, what's going on here? Well, and the reason those people have money is because they have hurt somebody. We focus on the drug traffickers and we focus on the, the human traffickers. But even if, you know, it's a fraudster who steals money, you know, the people like to think, oh, well, white, you know, again, white collar crime, you have people who lose their money, but some people lose their livelihoods. You know, they're retired. They end up having to move back in with family members because they no longer have any retirement savings because some fraudster took it. Mm-hmm. You know, there was um, five of Bernie Madoff victims who committed suicide, one of whom was his son. And so that's not victimless. And they committed suicide because of their involvement in this fraud. So it's not, so even if it is, you know, white collar, there's still a really hard human impact to that. And, you know, as, as good contributing members to society, we certainly don't want to continue to contribute and allow these folks to live off of the money that they got by hurting other people. Mm-hmm. So if there was one thing you could say to to real estate professionals in a transaction or something, like one bit of advice or one one sort of tip, what would you what would you deliver? I would say um, know your customer. Mm-hmm. Ask questions. Don't you know don't be afraid to be curious. Mm-hmm. And don't be afraid to um, don't be afraid to say no. Have control of what you're saying yes to and what you're saying no to. And if your gut tells you that there's something wrong with this, just walk away from the transaction. Because at the end of the day, like you may have a couple million dollars right now from commission and feel all good about that, but you know, three years later, when you find out that you have a couple million dollars because you sold a house to some guy who sold a bunch of little girls in China, like that's mm-hmm. not going to make you feel so good, is it? I would hope not. And if it does, then, you know, this isn't the right course for you. This isn't the right profession. Get out, please. It's you're not the right profession. You and the rest of us look bad. Get out. Perhaps you should be laundering, like, consider professional money laundering as a profession as opposed to, like, selling real estate. That might be a little better profession. But, you know, you don't you don't want to end up as later on where you have issues. You can't sleep at night and you know that, that your fortune was benefited off of the backs of, of somebody who really had no choice and was the victim to a terrible, terrible crime. So, you know, there there can be a human component to it as well and thinking about how you're going to feel later on down the road. I believe we're at our time, Ms. Lane. So thanks very much for joining us today. And thanks for explaining anti-money laundering to me um, in a way that I can understand and I can actually help my 80-year-old mother understand too. So that's important for me. <laughs> Well, that's it for today's episode. Now, don't forget to check out our website for some helpful information. The address could not be simpler. It is rello.ca. That's R-E-L-O dot C-A. And also, don't forget to check us out on your favorite podcast site either. Apple, Spotify, Amazon, Google, plus the many others that are out there. Just uh, simply click on our RSS feed, and then every time we drop a new podcast, it gets delivered right to your device. It couldn't be any easier than that. Well, that's it for today. Thanks for listening to Hello Rello and have a great day. 